Iowa everywhere. All right, boys, it's game day. Let's go. Let's go. Big game. Got a big game today. My package has arrived. Oh, sweet. Nice. Score! Great win, fellas. What game's next? G-Men are having a great year. Let's go, Blue! Here we go. Primetime football. Texans, Dolphins. Let's do this. Yes! Review. Yes! Yes! Heartland flags. Every sport. Every team. Every flag. Every team? That's right. Fine, fine. I'll get a Washington flag, too. Find your flag and so much more with fast, free shipping. Heartlandflags.com. Every sport, every team, every flag. Almost. Loyal sons forever true. Go Cyclones. From the Channel Seed Studios, Nick Oson and Jake Brenz talk all things Big 12. This is Firmly Entrenched. Powered by Heartland Flags and Gifts. Every team, every sport, every flag. Almost. Here's Nick and Jake on Iowa Everywhere. Welcome to Firmly Entrenched in the Channel Seed Studios. Presented by Heartland Flags. I'm Jake Bren, joining you in the Channel Seed Studios, joined by my good friend Nick Oson from 24-7 Sports up there in Madison, Wisconsin. Nick, how's it going, man? It's going great, Jake. You're looking good there in the studio, man. It's good to be back. And, you know, for you and our producer and everybody that kind of follows next show, when I'm kind of here and, you know, live from Madison, I will have a nice array and a nice background like you've got uh, when you're at home, I got kind of all the planning done. Friend of the show, Vivi's taking care of things. So I, I can't we'll be wait. looking a little better. It There's a lot more work that goes into that than you'd think. You got to pound the nails on the wall. You got to make sure it looks pretty. You got to have all the right stuff. So I'm, I'm excited to see it. Of course, I'm, I'm here in Ankeny and we've just got the great backdrop. We've got this South Carolina Gamecocks helmet <laughs> sent to, sent to Chris Williams um, for his mom, man. She loves those Gamecocks, man. The Mama loves the cocks. Yeah, she sure does. They're having a rough season, though. Well, let's get into it. Today, we're going to talk some Baylor preview. No no game to react to, which is weird. Coming off of a bye week, we're going to bounce around the Big 12. It was, I mean, despite the fact that Iowa State didn't play, it was a great week in the Big 12. Really entertaining. Probably the most storylines that we've had come out of a week so far this season. We're going to get into our Big 12 picks and let's close with some basketball talk. Just 12 yes, days away from the first Cyclone men's game. First, as we get into Baylor, of course, like to give a shout out to our great sponsor and, and great friends, Heartland Flags and Gifts. Would be a great great day to buy yourself a South Carolina Gamecocks flag and and mail it to Chris Williams he he would love it he loves this helmet it's signed I don't know who it's signed by um looks like number 38 at 
It could be anybody. I, I really don't know. It makes me think of that old Iowa State, South Carolina game. I believe it was in 2015 out in New York. It was just a miserable game. Dustin Hogue's homecoming. I'm getting off track, of course. <laughs> we we love Heartland Flags. Free shipping anywhere in the U.S., whether it's right here in Ankeny or up to Nick in Madison. New products constantly. Every team, every sport, every flag. Your Drake Bulldogs, really good football team. Um, four and three got a story on them tonight. You can do Wisconsin Badgers. The Chicago Bears might be Super Bowl bound. Anything. They're Arizona Diamondbacks in the World Series. You name it. You get that flag. And with the World Series coming up, whether it's your team in it or you just want to fly some from Cyclone Hawkeye flags, do it at our friends at Heartland Flags. So, hey, Jake, great story on Moberly, by the way. That was thank awesome. You. Thank you. Yeah, that that was a fun one. Playoffs getting underway this week. Southeast Polk is going to roll, I think. But yeah, Connor's a Connor's a great kid, good ball player, and he he's gonna fit in nicely up there in Ames. From from oh, everything yeah. I've heard, everything I've seen. So somebody well, that continues to get a lot better. I, I think fans should be excited for not only his kind of natural ability, but the amount of time that kid puts into his craft as well. You want to jump into Baylor? The Bears are coming off of a win against Cincinnati. Really interesting. I mean, Iowa, I was or not Iowa, Iowa State Baylor, both their last wins on the road at Cincinnati. Meeting this week, 230. That game is on ESPN plus down there in Waco. Before we get into kind of our, our talking points about the game, what initially jumps out to you on paper about this game? You know, I think a couple of things. First off, just kind of from the the macro level, I'm pretty happy about the game time. You know, I'm glad it's not like a night game because uh, that's what we've got here in Madison this weekend. So I'll be able to definitely tune into some there. You know, otherwise, I, I really think, and you're going to get into a quote. I'm not going to steal your thunder on that. But there's a quote that Jake's going to hit on that I really like. And it kind of alludes to some of my thinking. Uh, with this game, you know, it feels like it's been a while, obviously been a week and a half or so since Iowa State has had a game. And I just think it's going to be really interesting, Jake, how they kind of come out of the bye because they're clearly playing some of their best football yet. I think Baylor has been a massive disappointment. I think we were both much higher on Baylor uh, than no they've been. Uh, maybe one of us a bit higher than the other, but um, but definitely – you know, disappointing, and I believe, well, actually, I, I certainly know because I saw Iowa State opened as a very small underdog. Yes. And people books. must have jumped on that. Yes, at least at the books that I saw because now fairly comfortable favorite, almost a full three from what I've seen for the Cyclones. Yeah, l- let's just jump into that quote. So yesterday at, mm-hmm. at Iowa State's media availability, Matt Campbell <laughs> said – I think 70% of power five football teams lose coming out of the bye. So I think it's a huge challenge to our team to be quite honest with you. And, you know, I think part of the challenge is man, you're in such a routine in a rhythm and you can get off rhythm. And I don't want that to happen to this team. (laughs) So, so before we dissect that quote, I need to see the fact checking on that 70%. There's no way that, that I'm sorry. There's just no way that's real. And, uh, I mean, maybe it is real, and and if true, that's that's a major stat that uh, 
could have some certain wagering <laughs> implications to it. I bet the majority like maybe does come off of a loss and, you know, lose coming out of the buy. I don't think that'd be completely made up. I did kind of like jump back a little bit when I first read 70 as well, though. That, that seems a little high. Yeah, it, it seems high, but number aside, if he would have said half the teams, whatever, the point is still there that I don't know if the buy came at a good time for Iowa State. I'll be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I know I, I was listening to great friends Murph and Andy on the drive here talking about if the buy for Iowa came at a good time and and they think it does. I certainly think it does. Coming off of a loss is I, I think typically where you'd want to buy. For Iowa State, they were rolling, playing their best football of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. And I did some research last night. So we're going to go in the Matt Campbell era, wiping out the first year. Off of a bye, Iowa State is two and four. But I want to give some proper context to that because their games off of a bye have, uh, most years, it's been their toughest game on the schedule. So those losses were to Texas in 17, OU in 19, at Oklahoma State in 20, and Oklahoma last year. The wins playing at Tech in 18, and then a very, maybe the most impressive Matt Campbell win in the last three years was at K-State in 21. So I don't I, I don't think you can take too much from that two and four record because those four losses are probably games they would have lost not coming off of a bye also. But I do think it's a really interesting spot for Iowa state because what did I'm, happen in that first year? I'm just curious. I'll be honest. I didn't even look. I, okay. Okay. When, when I do my it's Iowa state research, stat. I pretty much completely leave out 2016 because it, it's not a Campbell team. Um, Ooh, is Connor Ferguson here to, to show us who this is uh, kind of talking to the microphone here. Yeah. This is welcome uh, Connor. Yeah. This is 2023 and you can see how many one and O's there are. This is just, Coming off the season, coming off a bye. Okay. What up, Connor? Not as many <laughs> own ones. Uh, my this is guesstimation. I would say about fifty three percent win. Fifty three percent. All right, you got it here. Fact checking from CycloneFanatic.com's Connor Ferguson. Great dude. So there you have it. Maybe the seventy percent number <laughs> wasn't true. So I'm going to dig into my Baylor takes. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I think Baylor is a bad football team. Oh yeah. And I'm not. I know Campbell yesterday, of course, he's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to give them credit as a young team that's getting better. No doubt that they've gotten a little bit better throughout the season. But this is a bad team that Iowa State should beat. But with that, I think this is a really, really tricky spot. For what you said, 2.30 kick. Would have loved for this to be an 11 a.m. game. I, I know that a lot of coaches have said, if you're going on the road, you want it to be an 11 a.m. game. And then this... This has just been a tough spot for Iowa State under Matt Campbell. His first trip to Waco, they won. It was the the Hakeem Butler game. But I believe that Baylor team went 1-11, and 2-10, something like that. And then 2019 was 10th gate. And then their last trip there in 21 was probably the worst special teams game of the Matt Campbell era. So pretty much every time they play Baylor down in Texas, it it, it feels weird and that's probably why they've only got one win there since 2004. 
Yeah, I've heard about that game, and that would have been just kind of before I, I started and got on the beat from 2021. You know, it's interesting. Obviously, it's always tough, uh, considered tougher, you know, to, to win on the road. I think there are some tough spots to play in the Big 12. I think this is really potentially one of them. I think the earlier game time would have been nice. But again, Jake, you you really kind of made it clear. Like, if this game was in Ames, I don't think there's a question who wins or who should win this game. I think that Iowa State, while undervalued by many early on this season, I think has kind of shown a lot of what we feel this team is capable of, you know, from everything that I have followed here and there when I can and getting ready for the show, like Cyclones are in a very healthy spot. We hit on so much last week, the confidence of the offense right now. And I actually think this game is going to come down a little bit more to the defense of Mm -hmm. Iowa state and just what they're going to be capable of, you know, do they look like kind of the consistent unit that we've seen uh, the majority of the last two and a half, three seasons? Are there kind of those areas where they maybe let up a little bit? You know, how does Baylor's QB look against them again? So those are kind of some of my top questions, but I do agree more now that the line is set favored for the Cyclones, Jake, that makes more sense to me. Yeah. So you talk about the defense, this, this game it's really the definition of strength on strength and weakness on weakness. So let's start with the Baylor passing game against the Iowa State secondary. The Iowa State secondary, no doubt, it's the heart and soul of the defense, the, the team, really. Maybe the team, yep. And, and Baylor's passing game, I, I know they've had some head-scratching losses. They lost to Texas State, got blown out by Texas and tech their their wins are over the big 12 newcomers um and just a miracle win in orlando to beat central florida but through that blake shapen has not been the problem he, he's only played four games he, he got injured that texas state game missed a couple i wouldn't say he's been great either at, at least up to his standards but he hasn't thrown a pick completing 60 percent of his passes but he's been sacked 15 times through four games. That's absurd. And Baylor is terrible on the ground. 110th out of 133 teams in the country in rushing yards per game, a few spots behind Iowa State. So when we talk about this game for strength versus strength, Baylor is going to try and win through the air. They've still got those good weapons that they seemingly always do. And that's going to be testing Iowa State's strength. TJ Tampa, Miles Purchase, the safeties, Malik Verdon, Bo Freiler, Bo Freeler. I don't know why I always say Freiler. It it drives me crazy. It just uh, it's just conditioned in my head for whatever reason. <laughs> so that's uh, I mean, that's how you win Big Twelve games in the road. You uh, you rely on your strength and, and you go out there and hope that they're better than than the other team's strength. And and I'll let you touch on that. And then I want to touch on the other side of it, which is weakness versus weakness. Yeah, you know, I think you make a really good point. Talking about kind of like Baylor is still not elite, but certainly well above average in terms of passing per game. I I know that Shapen is somebody you were very high on uh, coming into the season. I think I liked some of what he had done as well. And I just wasn't really ready to kind of bail on this Baylor team. Now we're over midway through the season. I think they just kind of are what they are. I don't think, you know, I don't think that they are – terrible they're certainly not good or maybe as good as 
many of us thought. And the defense has to travel, like you mentioned, Jake, for the Cyclones. I think maybe I'm just, you know, from afar and a little bit too confident, but I just feel like after that extra time, you, you know exactly who uh, that you are kind of preparing for. I think the defense is going to be in a good spot for Iowa State, and I wouldn't be shocked at all to see them not only win, but cover with ease potentially down in Waco. Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning Baylor coming off of a win in Cincinnati. That was a really weird game. They they got a special teams touchdown. Cincinnati fumbled on a kick return at like the 10-yard line. Baylor scooped it up to score. But they still, I, I don't, they weren't great on defense. Giving up 28 points to Cincinnati is, is obviously not ideal. We just saw that Cincinnati team, Emory Jones, uh, it's more shocking when he doesn't turn the ball over. We can, we can just put it that way to, to be nice, but they're not a good team. No, they're not a good team. And that leads me into the Baylor defense. So they've got the second worst scoring defense in the big 12, 30 points a game. Surprisingly, this came up and I did a little digging into it. So they've got the third best pass defense in the big 12. My, my reasoning from that that I that I kind of came up with was they got just slaughtered by Texas and Texas Tech. So those teams probably weren't throwing the ball at all in the second half, just just running the clock out. And, and that leads into Baylor, who has the worst rushing defense in the Big 12, nearly 200 yards per game. And that's where Baylor's weakness against Iowa State's weakness, the run game, which no doubt has improved the last few games, but it's still far from the strength of the Iowa State offense. So if Iowa State is able to, I don't, you're not going to have to average six yards a carry, but if Iowa State's able to get to that three and a half, four yards a carry range, break out a couple bigger runs like you did at Cincinnati, and I guess control the line of scrimmage from the start on on both sides of the ball, I think Iowa State's going to put themselves in a really good chance to win. But uh, yeah, it's it's a fascinating strength on strength, weakness on weakness. That'll that'll be the deciding factor on Saturday. I think the key for me, because I mentioned my confidence in Iowa State, obviously, I think for Baylor, I understand they're a better passing team than running team, really on both sides, like you mentioned with their defense, but. They can't get behind, you know, too much at home early. Obviously, you know, if, if you want to win a game, that's obviously not the goal. But I think it makes a lot of sense because Iowa State has shown, you know, whether it's Cincinnati game, Oklahoma State at times, TCU. Like once that offense gets rolling and and the confidence is established between Rocco and quite honestly, a, a good group of young weapons that are kind of growing – they get tough to stop, you know, they get in a rhythm. And I think like you mentioned, just how inconsistent and, and maybe kind of low that floor is for Baylor. I think if Iowa State gets off to a fast start, first quarter, first half, they're positioned really well. And I know that we're going to touch on it a little bit in this segment or later, but they win that game. They're sitting at five and three, Jake with four games to play, that's that's really impressive. And I will go on and say, I don't think too many people would have predicted or believed that if we told them that back in August or September. Yeah, that, that leads me to my last point before we move on to more of a broad Big 12 discussion. 
this game has major implications for Iowa State for what's potentially ahead. I mean, you win this, you're most likely favored in your next two games. Kansas at home for homecoming, a trip to Provo to play BYU. You, If you take care of business in the three games that you're favored in, you're looking at a seven and three. Yeah. Seven and three team with Texas coming to town on November 18th. I mean, no doubt if they're at that point, they're way ahead of schedule for what anybody realistically expected. But now that you've put yourself in that position, winning three straight big 12 or sorry, winning three out of four big 12 games. It's, it's huge for what we've talked about setting yourself up, not just for success this year with the potential good bowl game or really, really long shot odds to make the big 12 championship. You're setting yourself up to be in kind of that upper echelon of the new big 12. So to say next year. Yeah, Jake, you know, I will say, I, I think that some, if they ended up right at that seven and three, and then, you know, happened to lose the last two, I think many people would have believed that potentially. I know that we sat around there, but I think you're exactly right. As you'd say, I'll push back a little bit. I'm curious if they would be favored at Provo, just because I know that BYU has been playing a little bit better football since we kind of touched on, I, I believe they're up to five and two, but I definitely think Iowa state's a better team. Kansas, that'll be really interesting. And yeah, you know, kind of in the future, I, I will get into it a little bit more as we kind of get into the general recap, but I do have a question for you to kind of wrap that. Yeah. And, you know, overall, just, I think that Iowa state is very well positioned regardless of how they think, how they finish this season, just because obviously Oklahoma, Texas have been kind of potential perennial powers. They haven't always gotten it done, but they're out of there. And to me, I know you kind of broke down some of the tiers last week. I think this conference is going to be wide open. And I think it's a reason why so many people are just kind of excited about the potential and the general fun of the landscape, obviously in basketball, but in football as well. Yeah, I would, I would say that next year's conference, there won't be a power. I think if I had to crown, just gun to my head, if if you ask me who's going to be the first Big 12 team to make the 12-team playoff, I'd probably say Utah, but I still don't feel great about that with them jumping conferences, maybe recruiting changes around a little bit, but it's going to be really wide open for programs like Oklahoma State, K-State, Iowa State, Probably Utah, Arizona looks good. I think Central Florida will get things turned around. I, yeah. Baylor, of course, TCU. There's just like you said, and you just named eight or nine teams. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's wide open, you know. I mean, Colorado has some juice, at least on the recruiting trail. I'm not <laughs> saying they'll we'll they'll see. win it right away, but we'll we'll see yeah. how long Prime sticks around. <laughs> I think he'll be there next year at least. Yeah, he he will be, no doubt. But let's transition into kind of our general big 12 discussions were in the channel seeds studios and for cyclone fans, this was probably a good week to enjoy a, a nice 
cold glass of Steeple Ridge bourbon. No game to stress about. No, no game to worry about. Just sit back and watch a freaking great day of Big 12 football. Steeple Ridge, of course, from Lonely Oak Distillery. If you can't find it at your favorite liquor or grocery store, just go request it by name. Steeple Ridge, distilled, aged, and bottled in Iowa by Lonely Oak Distillery. And of course, if Iowa State wins this Saturday, there's no better beverage out there to enjoy responsibly and celebrate a win. So, Nick, where, where do you want to start talking the Big 12 this last week? We, we won't spend too much time on it. It's been four days, but there's a couple big talking points. Yeah, I think I'm going to start it with this question I've got that kind of bounces right off of, you know, the, the perennial powers. And I did use quotes because they're certainly not always like that, but. Texas and, and OU, as you kind of mentioned in our planning here, avoid disaster. Oh, boy. I did have some good eyes on the OU game, so I definitely could touch on that. But I'm actually just going to start this with a question for you. Do you see, because there's a path and a clear-cut path for these two teams, and you're, I love the Big 12. I got really into it, especially with some hoops, you know, while I was there and have always followed kind of nationally. But do you think either one of those two teams makes the college football playoff this year, Texas or OU? And if they did, how does kind of the general consensus of Big 12 conference fans feel about it? That's an interesting question. So it's a two-parter. First one, yes. I think whoever wins the Big 12 championship will go to the college football playoff. I think OU can afford one more loss in the regular, or not one more, their first loss yep. in the regular season. If you win in Dallas, I'd, I'd put your chance of making the playoff at like 75, 80%. Same thing with Texas, except they can't afford another loss. They lost to OU. They went out. They went in Dallas. I think they will be in the playoff. Now, what that does for the Big 12... I I honestly think it's more of a neutral than I would have thought. Yeah. If you would have asked me before the season, I would have thought it'd probably be the worst thing ever if if OU or Texas made the playoff. But now as I think about it a little more, I I feel like these teams are already removed. It feels like there's I mean, it's been two and a half years since the whole breakup happened. And they're still here. It just feels like there's been enough time for fan bases to move past it. You've the Big Twelve has recovered. That they've added. Oh yeah, they've added eight teams or added four. Will, will be eight starting next year. And I think that most people are kind of just over it. it. I think there's been a lot of accepting reality that the best the Big Twelve can be is a distant third. And I think that's that's pretty fitting for a lot of fan bases, as hard as that might have been to swallow. Um, but I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's a bad thing for the Big Twelve if one of these schools make the makes the playoff. And at the end of the day, it's a uh, it's a bonus paycheck to every school that you get to distribute the those meteorites from the playoff to Ames, to Stillwater, to Morgantown. 
Yeah. You know, I, I think you took that mostly how I kind of expected my friend. I, I just, you usually kind of pose some questions for me. I thought that'd be an interesting one. I'm yeah. completely in alignment on the first part. I actually think, and I don't have to kind of claim or clamor that I was wrong. I mean, Texas could still end up being the team, but man, I think Oklahoma has been not more untouchable. I mean, we just mentioned they just avoided disaster last week, but I just think the way their defense has generally played, and obviously you talk about Dylan Gabriel and some of those weapons, I I think that Oklahoma to me is actually the more likely right now. If they face off again uh, in Dallas, that would certainly be an intriguing game, however you feel about the Big 12. Well, so I, I just got a ping on my watch from our from our producer, Aiden Wyatt, sitting across from me. Breaking news that's not good news. No. Um, Brock Purdy's in concussion protocol and is expected to not start in this Sunday's game against the Bengals. I, I guess, remembering watching the game, I didn't see anything that... I didn't either. Looked like he got concussed. I, I don't know, maybe if he got hit on that last interception... Um, huh. Interesting. That's a, that's something to keep an eye on. And I'm sure more stuff will come out from the coming days, but, but that's from Adam Schefter of ESPN. And that would probably have to have been from that game, which I had some eyes on too, because it's, it's not like they're hitting, you know, at practice with the QB and mm-hmm. certainly not before the week really even starts on like a Tuesday or Wednesday morning. So yeah, that's unfortunate. You know, obviously it's, you know, go through the protocol. We'll see what the 49ers do this weekend and quick recovery uh, for Brock Purdy and those Niners right now. Yeah. So we've got, well, let's touch on two other big 12 topics before we go into to picking this week's game. So man, what a, what a change a month makes in Morgantown and Stillwater. Neil Brown goes from, looks like he's, he's, rode the ship. He saved his job to this might be the end for him. And then Mike Gundy goes from me. I, I know CW has been on it longer than, than I have, but this is the end for Mike Gundy. Oklahoma state's done. They looked dead for water at the end of the third quarter and Ames found something in that fourth quarter. Here they are another win easily in line for a bowl game. And I guess that's just what it is. It what a change a month can make in, in college football. What is their record up to? I, I know they've been catching fire. Are they at four or five? They're so, at five. Wow. Yeah. That, and they okay. five and two, this was a point from the start of the season. Their schedule was so easy because they avoid, I believe Texas, they avoided a lot of good schools. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but they're in line to to make a bowl. And I, who would have thought they they looked dead? They just frankly yeah, they looked think, dead a month ago. I think some of us might have still thought bowl game, but I mean, like you alluded to, they're not just in line to make one. They could be in a bowl by the end of this weekend. By the time we're talking about you know, about the show next week. They could already be at six wins. They play this week, as I noted, they're favored pretty comfortably, as as we'll touch on in this this next segment when we make our picks. And 
I've seen rumblings of tweets here and there that they could fight their way back to kind of finishing in that top three or four of the Big 12 Conference easily still. So I just pulled up their schedule. They've got five games left. I'll tell you one of them. And I guess you know who they've got this week. So they've, of course, got Cincinnati this week. Then it's Bedlam against OU. Then guess who their last three games are? Just okay. Just take a few darts, throw them at the board, see what sticks. Houston? Yep. BYU? Yep. And I, I know they play Cincy this week. Is it UCF? <laughs> it is. I'm sorry, Central Florida. It is. So their last five games, it's Bedlam and the four newcomers. Obviously, that oh. that game in Bedlam against OU is going to be really, really tough. Yeah. But other than that, I'm at the point, home <laughs> or away, nine. home or away, I'm never picking one of the newcomers. So <laughs> they're, Oklahoma State's <laughs> in a position to, I mean, heck, make maybe the Alamo Bowl, which is which is just ridiculous. They could conceivably go nine and three. That's a little crazy. So finally, we're going to start with the team that this ties into Oklahoma state because K state was a team that after that loss in Stillwater, we were just, how do you lose to Oklahoma state? Now it seems like it's uh it makes a little more sense. Oklahoma state has turned things around and K state has switched to more of a two-quarterback system. They played both Will Hauer and Avery Johnson this past Saturday, and it it worked clearly. They just demolished TCU, and uh, I was high on K-State. I picked them to win the conference. I felt really dumb about it after they lost Oklahoma State, and now it seems like they are very, very comfortably that third team in the conference. Yeah, I think that's very fair to say. You know, you were definitely credit to you. You were higher on them. I remember Kansas State and TCU were kind of considered a couple of the darlings coming back this year. And I was definitely higher on the Wildcats. But, yeah, I don't generally – I mean, certainly not in the NFL. But even in college, I'm not usually kind of all about or or trusting a 2QB system. But what they're doing over there with Kleiman – Colin Klein and, you know, some of the talented QBs. I know we're both pretty high on Avery Johnson. It's impressive. And, you know, just as a fan, I doubt, yeah, the times wouldn't be out yet. But looking ahead just a little bit, I'm really kind of intrigued and excited for that Iowa State-K-State matchup to wrap up the year. Yeah, in this case, I think it works because you've you've got this more tested Will Howard that – by far hasn't lived up to the the expectation or standard that he had this season. Combine that with just the young, I mean, blooming superstar in Avery Johnson. I think it's a good balance of where you're able to give this Johnson kid a lot of test, a lot of run, but there's also a security blanket where if he has those freshman moments, it's not all you have. And it, it's clearly just worked the last two weeks. They demolished BYU. They or no, they didn't demolish BYU. Um, Who they beat the week before? They demolished Tech. Demolished mm-hmm. Tech, and then um, just slaughter TCU and a rematch of the Big Twelve Championship game that feels like 
decades ago now with with just how different of a team TCU is. But I know we both bet that game. We both took K-State minus six and a half. And uh, unfortunately, that was our only win of the week for both of us. We both had a one and two week. I moved to 11, 16 and one year, 10 and 11 betting on Circa Sports, Iowa. Still respectable, though. Yeah, yeah you're more respectable than I am. We, we've got the <laughs> highest limits, the lowest holds, the best odds. Download the app today at CircaSportsIowa.com. I know I cannot wait to be more betting into the NBA and and maybe ease off of the college football a little bit. College football, it's been it's been tough this year. It's always tough, and I'm just frankly not good at it. So I've my weekends have really, I mean, kind of been limited to betting the Iowa under and then one other game because I I just outside of our Big Twelve bets, of course, because I just haven't been very good. So uh Take the thunder tonight over the Bulls. That's uh, that's my advice. But uh, ouch! <laughs> oh yeah, you're a Bulls fan, aren't you? I got a lot of love for him. Yeah, Th- LeBron that's my bad. comes first, but oh, dude, you're good. No, that that was a genuine play that that I'm doing tonight on Circus Sports Iowa. What is the line on that? Uh, the Bulls are favored by a point, so I'm I'm just taking the Thunder money line. I I think it's yeah. A good no, I, I like the Thunder this year. I mean, there's going to be sometime we will have to give ourselves a little bit more NBA time because some of the rare just diehards around the area. Uh, Thunder, I mean, the West is just nasty, tough, man. Somebody good is not even going to touch the play-in. Um, but let's let's see if Jake can rebound a little bit. I'm feeling a 2 and one week for you, Jake. Oh, man, I, I certainly hope so. So let's start with OU at KU. I thought long and hard about this one. I did my research. Everything told me to take the over, but my gut is saying take the under. There's going to be some rain in Lawrence. It's an 11 a.m. kick. OU hates that. I mean, I can't believe that I I took the OU over UCF bet knowing it was an 11 a.m. kick. The Sooners just don't play them. Their fans hate them. Their team hates them. Their coaches hate them. They're a bunch of wimps. There's no way around it. That's the type of culture they've got. No, you won't play at 11. So I'm taking a sleepy first half against KU. The OU defense is good. It's going to tame the KU offense a little bit from what we see. And we know their, their offense is really good, of course. And I know that this just feels like a dumb play, knowing that Kansas couldn't stop Bill Snyder from running through their offensive line, but I'm going to take the under at 65 points. <laughs> that made me talk a little bit. Um, I might as well just naturally go to that game as well here. Uh, so that game is in Lawrence. Like you mentioned, rain is expected. I guess quite honestly, some of the same thinking going into it. I like KU plus 10 at home. I understand Oklahoma didn't play their best ball last week, but a win like that is definitely emotional. You look at those types of spots, certainly in college football, as well as the NFL. I still think Kansas is a pretty dang good football team. I don't think they win, but I think they keep that within two scores for most of it. And maybe a late touchdown makes it an eight or nine point loss for the Jayhawks. So I'm going to stay in the same state. Houston going up to Manhattan. They're getting 17 and a half. I'm going to take the Cougars. 
K-State coming off of a huge win ahead of a huge game in Austin. Bit of a trap game. It's going to be really, really cold on Saturday. Houston's been feisty. I they almost beat yeah, Texas. But... They they had the Hail Mary. I yeah. I don't feel good about this game being close. But 17 and a half points is a lot. Can I see like a 33 to 20 type game? I, I think so. And I I don't feel great about this one compared to my others, but that's what I'm gonna go with. Yeah, I I think Houston has just been a little bit worse than I really expected. I understand it's kind of been a newcomer type situation, but I love your thinking going into it, actually. That ah, at K-State. Okay. I like the pick, Jake. Um, going to my bread and butter here, I think that I'm four and one on these plays. Going to roll with your clones. Iowa State, I, I saw them at minus two on the road in Waco. Now, if you're seeing it, it up to three, three and a half, it, it gets a little tough because I really do think it's going to be a, a good, highly contested football game, my friend. But hope the Cyclones fans listening, I've been very loyal. Every week I've done something with them that we could, and they've treated me pretty well. So I'm sticking to that recipe this week. I'm going to close out that game. I'm not going to touch the points too much in emotional that investment, but I do like the over. 47 and a half. I think Iowa State gets to 30 in this game. Wow. Um, Baylor defense bad. Iowa State coming off of bye. A lot of time to prep for it. If you tell me like 30 to 20, that wouldn't shock me. Yeah. At all. That I feel good about the over. I, I think it's going to be a big game through the air. That's and my favorite. I've oh. you can't do this because you can't bet player props in Iowa, but I would bet a pick six from Blake Shapin. If I could, it'd probably be like a plus 1200 type play, just a long shot odds. But I think there's going to be a pick six in this game. And and I think Iowa state wins. Yeah. I'll, I'll let that be my score prediction. I'm going to go 30 to 20. Wow, man. Okay. So you are very confident. Do you know what we didn't right now? Do you know what we didn't do? We didn't give myself credit for almost picking the exact score over Cincinnati. Do you remember that? I said, I don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I said, I'm kidding. You did. You did. What was the final? Was it 30 me? to 13? Was that the final? Yeah. And I think you said, I said 30 to 10. 30 to 10. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, that was a good call. Very good call. Uh, my last one of the week, I was torn here, man. I believe this game from my notes is, is in Stillwater. Those Cowboys are kind of rolling right now, like you said, facing Cincinnati, who, yeah, really just a, a, a really poor football team this season from what I can kind of glean there. So I'm going to roll with Coach Gundy in Oklahoma State. I'm hoping for at least a two-in-one week uh, this week. That would get me to 12-12, and 12, and I would absolutely take that. All right. Well, if you're going to bet – course do it at circus sports iowa bet responsibly bet within your means but we want to thank our great friends there get it at the app store or you can visit circusports.com and we're going to close out with some hoops the first men's basketball game is in 12 days 
Green Bay comes to town on November sixth. So, but before we talk about what I want to talk about, which is the non-conference schedule, do you just want to fire off like a a minute, just kind of rapid fire your thoughts on the basketball team, quick? I appreciate that because I'm I'm gonna miss covering that team. Uh, that's that's a definite thing. I'm very high on the Iowa State basketball team, and from what I can tell you know, based on just this early bracketology, you know, things like that. Like there are people I definitely trust with some metrics already out there. Maybe I'm a little too high on them. Uh, obviously, you know, people haven't been in to see a lot of Iowa state yet, but from what I can gather, I think, yeah, we, we don't have a ton of time as much as usual, but at this point, but basically tournament or bust. I mean, that's pretty easy for me to say. I think that the depth of this team is incredible. I think that the talent is in a really good spot as well. Those top eight, nine guys. My question there are just going to be really two questions. Kind of what, how long it takes for kind of some of the young, really impressive talent. And I will still include Taman Lipsy because it's crazy how young he still is. Just to kind of get used to this new Big 12 season. Obviously, a couple of those star freshmen that I'm really looking at. And then as the offense takes kind of the jump up, I'm just really curious to see how the defense looks. But, I mean, I, I won't shy away from it, Jake. When I was there and I kind of put on the boards and stuff, I picked this team to have Sweet 16 potential. So that's kind of where I'm at for Iowa State basketball. And it's a team I, I can truly say I'll still be following because formed a lot of great relationships uh, with those guys down there. Yeah, so my thoughts on the team – 100% agree on the depth. It's felt like these last two teams couldn't withstand an injury. It, they're just weren't enough guys. And that's not really anybody's fault that it just, it wasn't like not a deep team, but I wouldn't say it's a deep team at all. This year feels like they could, they could roll with a rolled ankle in January and be all right. That, Oh, yeah. so, so that's that's where we go from the depth. The other thing, I'm excited to see what Odds can do with his first like real off season, because obviously his first <laughs> his first season he gets on the job and whatever it was April May and you get Tyrese Hunter to stay, but you don't really have time to do much of anything else. And he pieces together just an incredible story to get to the Sweet Sixteen. We can't say enough how incredible that was. The second offseason, honestly, just pretty bad luck not getting A.J. Green. It, it seemed like something from, from everything I heard, everything I saw, that was essentially a done deal. And then at the last second, he got that two-way offer from the Bucks, and it, it didn't happen. So they had to piece together some things after that. And... Built a good team. So everything these last two years with odds have been gravy. This is his first year where he's gotten all the recruits he wants, all the transfers he wants. I was following along on your boards the day they lost to Pittsburgh. I remember you laid out Pavletsky as a potential guy. Um, Keyshawn Gilbert. Curtis Jones was the surprise. But when the staff keys in on a couple guys and, and gets them, I'm excited to see because everything that I've seen social media wise from the soccer field conditioning to the practice, 
this looks like the same type of intensity Ots team that also is going to have another level it can take offensively. And I don't think that this is going to be a top 25 nationally offensive ranked team. What I do think is that they can be top 50, which would be a major step up from 110 two years ago to 75th last year. And then I, I think that defense, I see it being pretty close to the same, honestly, um, just with adding great athletes that all have high motors and, and high effort. I think it's going to be a really good season. And that leads me in to this, the non-conference schedule. Oh, it's disgusting. It, I hate how weak of a non-conference schedule this is. So you've got Iowa, as always, and then you've got the ESPN Invitational over Thanksgiving weekend where you're going to play VCU, probably FAU. I think Virginia Tech is there. So really... A&M is there too, right? I thought I saw. Oh, yeah. Gosh, A&M. Yeah, A&M's there too. At, they're, they're pretty good. Yeah, I guess they, they are good, but at best... At absolute best, you're going to get three tournament teams out of that. I would guess you get two, at a minimum, probably one. And then it's Iowa after a couple cupcakes, and then it's nothing but cupcake season until you go to OU to start out the Big 12 play. I hate it so much because we're we're in this age in college basketball. It's the opposite of college football. College football, a loss means everything. It can mean, I mean, obviously playoff implications. You can only have a certain amount of losses. In college basketball, losing to a good team means nothing. Honestly, sometimes losing to a good team is a good thing now. As crazy as that is because of RPI and, and all that nonsense. So why is Iowa State not playing a home-and-home home with Creighton? Why are they not playing a home-and-home home with Missouri? Or, I don't know, Wichita State? Or... Just something, play something in the Midwest. There has to be another guaranteed Power Five game other than Iowa. Nebraska? And a preseason tournament. Nebraska would be cool. I don't know if that's ever going to happen with Hoiberg. There. No, I, play, I don't expect it. But Play Drake. Play you and I. I. I don't care about... Drake would be cool. I don't care about 10 of these 13 non-conference games. And I'm going to say it, anything more than one loss in the non-conference is a massive disappointment. I think Iowa State has to go into that Houston game on, I believe it's January 9th on a Tuesday night in Hilton. You have to go into that game with one loss or else I will consider it a disappointing start to the season. Call that unfair all you want. I don't care. I think it's a boring non-conference. And sure, will it be, will it be good to get the young guys adjusted against teams you probably have no chance of losing to sure will it be interesting to cover or watch i'm gonna say no i've got them yeah i i oof, man that is just very tough uh kind of expectations for me jake though i don't disagree i i think that two is probably fair i mean there are going to be some very good basketball teams uh i think there are like three or four in that tournament so you're guaranteed to play at least one, potentially two of them. Let's say you split those. And I think Iowa State, I mean, I'm crazy high on this team. But 
let's even say you take a loss there. Yeah, geez, you can't I guess lose to Iowa. The, you you the can't other, lose to Iowa. I was going to say that. I guess that'd be the only other spot. And I mean, I'm I'm low on Iowa this year. Obviously, the Hawkeyes got them last year. So yeah, I guess I, I guess just one loss kind of going into the new year and the Big Twelve play. I mean, that's it's just crazy expectations for kind of a team that's going to have some newer, younger faces. But like you mentioned, it's not a tough schedule. I'm incredibly high on this staff, and there are still actually a lot of veterans when you get down to it, whether it's, oh yeah, you know, Gilbert, who's been around college basketball for a couple of years, obviously Trey King, Rob Jones, Assam Ward, Curtis Jones. So, okay, I, I'm not putting those types of expectations, but I can understand it. Yeah, it's all, no doubt it's a younger team than what they've had these last two years. So, the start might be a little bit rockier than the start of the last two years. Well, I, I remember that first odds year when they went out, I think to Madison square garden and they beat Xavier, they beat Memphis. And it was like, Whoa, <laughs> where did this team come from last year? We couldn't even see them beat South Dakota state. And, and here they are. And that's because you, you throw full grown man, Isaiah Brockington with senior George Condit and, it was just an old team, but that old team really, I mean, relied on seven dudes and those seven guys with the way they were playing, diving for every loose ball, just going 100% for 40 minutes. They got really burnt out in February and almost missed the tournament after being ranked in the top 10. I don't, yeah. and it that was it, a fun team though. And it even happened to a lesser extent this last year where they had a bit of a February fade I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think because you've got more depth and more of an offensive blanket to fall back on, I think that this is going to be a, more of a steady team than the first two odds years. But of course I could be wrong and, and maybe it's not. And it's a, it's a trend that that could be a little bit concerning, but I guess we'll, we'll just have to see once we get into the season. Yeah, I personally, I, I see, I got to dig into the schedule a little bit more, but I personally see this team kind of finding their their way and kind of the the top of maybe their potential ceiling around that late January, early February, once they start to really play some good teams, but still a ways away. And, you know, I'm excited to kind of follow uh, here and there with, with, that, with that great roster and the staff. Yeah, we'll, we'll put a bow on it. We've still got... I think they they start on a Tuesday or on a Monday night. So so we've still got the show next week. We'll get into a little more hoops. We'll, we'll put on a bow um, for this show right here, right now. Any parting thoughts, Nick slash Aiden? Uh, I will. I had a couple good questions for you, hoops wise, but I will save those for next week. Otherwise, I'm 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 all set. Mister Wyatt, our our beloved producer. I got nothing. He's got, <laughs> he's got nothing. Speechless. Excellent show. We left him speechless. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. <laughs> All right, man. Well, it was good talking as always. We're we're gonna we're gonna close the show out. It sounds like C Dub's gonna go talk to a ghost hunter. Um, I'm uh, I don't know what the word would be. I'm intrigued to listen to that. It, it, I don't know if I've ever been more uh, 
more curious going into a podcast. So it'll be fun to listen to. But for now, from the channel Seed Studios, we want to thank Heartland Flags and Gifts, Circus Sports Iowa, and of course, Steeple Ridge Bourbon for presenting this show. We'll be back same time next week. Iowa everywhere.